You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is a cold and snowy Tuesday here in Philadelphia. Holy crap, I looked outside and yeah, it's 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 a white February, which is which is nice, I guess. Uh, that's one way to start celebrating Black History Month. But that's a that's a terrible pun, so we'll just move on. Uh, it is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. I am your host, Leo Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes, as always. Your first place, Philadelphia 76ers had a really good week. And yes, I said that. I did not. You are not misquoted. You're not misheard. You didn't mishear me. First place, 15 and six, two and a half games up on the Brooklyn Nets. A lot of reasons for that. So we're going to discuss them with uh, our old pal Tom West from across the pond. Had a couple of pieces last week about Ben and Joel's budding partnership and relationship. And then wrote a little Tobias piece. Uh, We'll get into that in a second because there's a nice little nugget I can throw to another Liberty Ballers writer. But for right now, Tom West, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back on the show, man. Of course, of course. You know, I always love having my uh, my English uh, compatriot on the podcast. <laughs> listen, no hard, listen, no hard feelings for the American Revolution, like some grudge from the War of 1812 because you tried to come back in here. And we were just like, no, that's not happening. I have no ill will towards you or any of your friends and colleagues over there in England. Like, we're all good. <laughs> we're fine. I'm pleased to hear it. We, we <laughs> share a love for the and an interest for six years, so it's, uh, it's all good. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying that Boris Johnson is welcome at my house if he wants to have like a nice soul food dinner, but what I'm saying is that I won't just like, you know, do whatever, like throw shoes, spit in his face, whatever, it's fine. He's, he's not welcome at my house either, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, all right, never mind then, we're cool. <laughs> so let's start with uh, Ben and Joel, because that was one of the first, that was one of two pieces that you wrote last week. And it talks about the partnership and the relationship. And I always thought that things were like cool and they always have been cool. And before this season, what, what was your, what was your temperature gauge on their relationship going into the season? Cause I thought it was fine. Yeah, I think I agree. Like it seemed fine. I mean, obviously, I, you know, it's hard to know exactly, you know, being, you know, on the outside looking in, but it always seemed, you know, fine uh, you know they had a professional relationship a good professional relationship you know maybe they weren't the closest friends off the court but you know that was fine it doesn't have to be a big problem you know not everyone on a team has to be great friends um <laughs> but it just seems like as the season has progressed and you know as they talked about after that Celtics game uh, where they got their second win against Boston like they've really just sort of been coming together this season um and you know Doc Rivers has sort of made it a bit of a point of emphasis to try and get them a little closer and, you know, just get them talking a lot, doing things together. Like you said, quite early in the season, you know, he wants to get them 
used to doing all sorts of stuff together and you know he encouraged them to do that interview with ESPN together just because he thinks it's good for them to you know do more uh, as a duo and that's obviously sort of been paying off it looks like you know the the three of them you know Ben uh, Joel and Doc have had you know meetings together and stuff to you know just you know talk over the things with the team and their play together and yeah they just seem to be sort of developing their chemistry as as the season goes on kind of on and off the floor we always have that conversation and this is more or less perpetuated by national media the idea of whose team it is could that have really mattered in any kind of potential relationship fracture like one guy like ben thinks it's his team joel thinks it's his team could could that have definitely fed something into that uh maybe i mean i'm not sure to be honest um it's it's hard to know exactly i mean they you know i think it's something that's been exaggerated at least um in you know and from national media as well just kind of pushing that you know you have to pick one or the other like yeah you know, I've never thought that was the case. I don't think they probably felt that that is the case either. Um, like, they've always been a good duo. Like, the Sixers have always been effective on the floor together. Like, they have a very long track record of having, like, a really good net rating when the two players are on the floor. Um, so, I think they're kind of happy with that. And Embiid has said before as well, like, he likes playing with Ben. I don't think there's ever been some sort of, you know, animosity or kind of competitive, this is my team, not yours, uh, kind of dynamic going on there um obviously they have differing styles you know obviously we don't know about the shooting stuff but you yeah know, obviously ben it is, is, it is well fast. documented <laughs> yeah to say the least and you know obviously ben <laughs> is better playing faster and b plays a bit slower but it's not meant that they can't coexist it's always been and i mentioned this in the piece the bigger problem for the sixers has always been the lack of complementary pieces around them and the lack of shooting the lack of a complimentary ball handler to kind of take some pressure off Ben and to kind of bring out both of their strengths. They've just not had all the right pieces around them. Um, and yeah, I just think this season, obviously they're still not fixed everything. I still think the Sixers need a kind of high level perimeter creator to be a real contender. Um, but they have more complimentary pieces around Ben and Joel that do help. They've got more spacing I've got some more ball handlers, you know, complimentary guys like uh, Seth Curry and Shake Milton and Tyrese Maxey. And that helps them. And I think that along with Doc kind of trying to encourage them to get to know each other and, you know, just develop their chemistry a little bit and just the two of them naturally maybe growing a little closer kind of on and off the floor. I think it's all just kind of come together. And, you know, there were some things they were pointing out after the game, you know, against Boston where, you know, uh, Simmons was saying that, you know, Embiid texted him the week before saying, you know, I've been missing you on some of your duckins. I'm going to start, yeah. I'm going to start finding you on those and that kind of thing. And Ben just said, they've kind of been communicating a bit better about where they need to be, how they can play off each other and that kind of thing. And they're talking more than they have in the past. And Embiid just, you know, sort of gave a glowing <laughs> uh, update on the status of how their partnership right now and how much that he loves playing with Ben. So it definitely seems like they're going in the right direction, even if, you know, maybe their, their differing styles or, you know, how they fit was a bit more of a problem in the past. I feel like the roster this year definitely helps to foster that better relationship because, like you were saying, there was definitely a lot more room for Ben and Joel to operate and more room for Simmons to make those cuts and duck in. So, yeah, the, the roster has definitely helped. I mean, it definitely helps to have, you know, confident shooters. That's, that's always a plus. Yeah. 
Um, now, when it comes to the on and off the court stuff, I'm in the camp that um, players, you know what, if your all-stars don't necessarily like each other off the court, but they're all business on the court, I'm fine with that. That's always kind of been my kind of deal. Like Jordan and I, I don't think Jordan and Pippen had that good of an off the court relationship. I mean, all I have to go on as reference is just the last dance documentary. So maybe <laughs> there was definitely something underneath all that. But where, where do you stand? Is that something that really matters? I think I'm the same as you. I think, no, you don't have to be super close off the floor. I think as long as you don't you know dislike each other i think as long as you can right as long know, as there's not like the, outright animosity yeah. if there's fine. no animosity i think it's fine like that you know as long as you can you know put the team first when you're you know in the game you know in practice and training whatever as long as you're you know putting the team first as long as you can play together you don't let anything off the court affect your play together on the floor um i think as long as you can put that first and you you know coexist in a game and you know you're you're happy professionally then I, I yeah I don't think it's a problem really if you're not super close off the floor I think it's you know kind of unrealistic to expect everyone to to be that way and you know I have yeah. we, we everyone in their life has had you know co-workers that maybe you know you're not super close with away from the office but you know when it comes to business you're like you work great together like that's a perfectly normal relationship to have so I don't think it's a problem not uh, yeah, not just coworkers, but like ninety-five percent of people's bosses are like that. With the exception, with the exception of uh, Kevin F. Love and Sean Kennedy, I love those guys. Those guys are awesome. I would never speak ill will of them ever <laughs> in my life, like ever. And yeah, part part of me saying that is true, and the other part is, oh my god, they're actually listening to this podcast, so I better not talk any talk any nonsense about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, as long as like Embiid and Simmons can walk into the locker room with each other and they're just like, there's not this feeling of oh, this effing guy today. Like I'm, I'm not trying to deal with him today. Like as long as that's not existing, then it's really not much of a problem. Yeah, I agree. And it and yeah, even, and even more so than before, it clearly seems like they're getting on well this year. Um, that's probably helped by, like we said, you know, better teammates, uh, the fact that they're winning games, but you know, that helps the good vibes early on in the season, but it definitely seems like they're getting on well right now. Doc Rivers as the mediator and him just basically saying, yeah, I want you guys to have meetings. I am making it a point to make sure that you two spend more time together. I think that was a great move to continue to squash this narrative that either A, they don't work or B, they don't like each other. Um, that doesn't, it didn't feel like forced in any way, did it? No, I don't think so. Um, and a lot of times, you know, when Embiid has said stuff in particular, like it's been unprompted, it's not been asked, do you love playing with Ben Simmons? And he's like, yeah, of course I do. Like he's just genuinely <laughs> said, like, you know, he said after the game, like he just can't describe it. Like this year is just different. Um, he said, quote, this year, I can't even explain it. It's just been different. I mean, I love playing with him and I'm sure he loves playing with me too. And it's just, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just been fun. You know, having someone like that, I can be a playmaker, but I don't need to be a playmaker because I've got him. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, his job against double teams and triple teams and all that. But he's just, yeah, he's just given glowing endorsements of Ben. Um, he said in off season, I think, didn't he, in an interview with the Ricky, like he loves playing with Ben. 
I believe. Um, so yeah, it's not been forced at all. I don't think it's felt very natural. And Ben's been the same, just talking about how he's been playing with and be this year and how their communication is better. And he's kind of highlighted specific strengths, you know, even if it's not been asked about, you know, like they're communicating more and that kind of thing. So it definitely feels natural how things are kind of developing this year. The dual interview with ESPN, I'm coming back to that point. I thought that was a fantastic idea to say, okay, we didn't win just because we're not winning well just because of Embiid or just because of Simmons. It's kind of these two guys as well as like an entire team effort. But of course, these two guys are the catalyst. I thought that was a brilliant move. Whoever decided to make that decision, be it Doc, be it Joel and Ben themselves. Like, I thought that was a fantastic decision. Yeah, I think so. I know Doc said he wanted them to do that interview together and that, you know, it's not just them either. Like he mentioned uh, when he was talking about it, that he'd like, you know, guys like Shake and Furcon to do interviews together and all sorts of things. Like I think he just generally wants the team to, you know, do as much as possible together and just really grow that chemistry, you know, in all areas and let that sort of flow into the team, the general team chemistry. And then, you know, in practice and in games as well. And it, it seems to be working so far. That particular game against the Boston Celtics, Simmons had 11 points and three assists in the last 12 minutes of that game. And that was extremely important. And even Embiid was one. To, he even went into the, the timeouts and the huddles. And he just said, I, we want we need more pick and rolls. I want more pick and rolls like that. Just Embiid's basketball IQ has just gotten so much better over the last season and a half, two seasons. And the, the relationship with Simmons has definitely aided in that. So I don't, I don't know, like if these two guys are really like coexisting and Ben's IQ is kind of rubbing off on Joel, because obviously Ben's IQ is something that was highly touted coming out of the draft. But if that's starting to rub off on Embiid, then Good Lord, the, the possibilities of this team now. Yeah, it definitely helps a lot. And, you know, like I said, I still think the team kind of needs some changes, I think, you know, to really be a contender. I don't think, you know, Embiid and Simmons sort of honing their chemistry is going to, like, be enough to necessarily, you know, make them take a leap. I think you still kind of need that individual development from both of them. Obviously, Embiid has been as good as anyone could have uh, <laughs> wished for this year you know he's been an MVP candidate or if you know at the top of the list if not right there um so you really can't ask for any more from him you know we can still see you know what Simmons has in him you know he's obviously been playing I think much better the last few games I think really since that kind of fourth quarter against Boston where like you said he had 11 points over the final period he was much more aggressive I think since then he kind of seems to have woken up a little bit offensively um he's just been more aggressive he's kind of been giving them more of the the, you know, the drives downhill and actually looking to score and get the rim, get to the rim, you know, apply more pressure inside as a scorer that they need from him. Uh, so that's really good. So if you can keep sort of trending in that direction, then, you know, hopefully you see a bit more skill development from him as well. You know, we don't need to get into the jumper, but, you know, just <laughs> other areas of his game, you know, like keeping his dribble alive, you know, free throw shooting, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, how he plays off ball with his cutting and screening, which is, you know, I think something he's been doing a bit better this year. He's kind of learning how to play off ball a little better um Absolutely. If, he can, if he can keep doing all that stuff then that really does help um it definitely improves the sixes uh even if they still need a bit of a boost you know from another creator to sort of take them to a whole nother level 
Yeah, we're just we're just waiting with bated breath for that Zach Levine trade that you know <laughs> I, I I may or may not just jump off the Walt Whitman Bridge if they trade for Zach Levine because uh, I mean you know Brad Beal is not going to happen without a trade without Ben Simmons being in the trade so I, I guess I have to curb expectations here um, Embiid wanting to get or and or keep Ben Simmons involved. Um, that's something that I hadn't seen before. And I'm just wondering like how, how refreshing that seems because it seems like Embiid, like in crunch time, especially against the Celtics, I thought it was going to be like, all right, Embiid is taking over. Here we go. Oh, wait, what? Simmons has 11 points in 12 minutes. That's something I was not expecting. I thought it was Embiid time. Here we go. Okay. All right. Like, what how different of a switch is that like it definitely increases you know ben's confidence in not necessarily not only himself but like his faith in the partnership yeah for sure um and i think if you you know ben simmons needs to be aggressive he's better when he's aggressive that's always been the case um and that's particularly been the case this season you know when he started slow and now he's kind of come around the last few games and he was really good against the pacers um as well yesterday um, so he's definitely doing more of that. And I think if you've got Joel, like you said, you know, calling for more pick and rolls for Ben when it helps, you know, and when it sort of suits the flow of the game, if you've got Embiid pushing for Simmons to kind of do a bit more and keep him involved in the offense and yeah, it just helps him keep that mindset going. It helps both of them feel involved. Um, it, and, you know, it switches things up a bit for the offense as well. It doesn't become as predictable like you don't just have fourth quarter offense where you can only survive with Embiid post-ups. <laughs> right. If you can, you know, if you can survive without him off the floor, like we saw <laughs> against Indiana, or, you know, if you can go to Simmons for stretches and he is being aggressive and he is driving and getting to the rim and being successful, you know, going downhill, then that helps too. You know, it just helps to be able to have more looks. So if Embiid and Simmons are both comfortable, you know, switching things up and playing off each other and working on their communication on the floor, and, you know, in timeouts when they're, you know, seeing how they can continue to attack like that really helps. And Simmons has had a pretty Simmons had a pretty decent stretch of games as far as attempts. Like he had he had uh, 10 against the Celtics and then a total of 16 against Detroit in two games and then 15, 10 and 12 last night against the Pacers. So it, it looks like he's starting to come into this offense and really starting to change his game around a little bit, which, which I, uh, which I definitely appreciate. I was calling for more screens and cuts from Simmons, you know, last year, two years ago. So it's nice to see that it's finally happening. Yeah, for sure. I think like you said, I've, I've always been banging on about him screening and cutting off ball as well. Um, for like a, a couple six, of years now. You're 6'10". Set a screen, yeah. my man. Come on. Like you sit there, yeah. set a screen and go to the rim and just dunk on fools. It's not that hard. Yeah, and I think I think some of it has been on, you know, how he's been used. Like he did get used more as a role man in the pick and rolls, you know, last year with Brett Brown, but it still wasn't that much. Um, and you know, so some of it I think is on, you know, the teams, the way the team's been constructed and run before and but yeah, some of it's just on Ben, you know, being you know instinctive on the floor and just seeing opportunities to screen and get guys open and, you know, setting solid picks. And he was better at that last year, but I think he's building off that again this year. Um, I do think he's been screening pretty well. He's been a bit more active there, I think. 
and just some of his timing on cuts, I think, is working quite well. Like he's seeing chances where he can cut inside to bring a defender with him and then free up shooters and stuff. I feel like he's been doing that a little bit more. Um, so it definitely feels like he's doing more of that good stuff. And, you know, like we said, it helps to have other ball handlers that you can let go to work. And then Embiid just being, you know, much better against double teams this year, being able to sort of rely on him as that post-up hub and, you know, do more as a passer. It really helps with how Simmons can operate a bit more off the ball and just having other guys you can rely on to handle the offense for a little bit when he is off the ball. There's just one final thing that I need to ask Ben to do, and this that this will totally unlock the, the rest of his game. Ben, if you are being guarded by a smaller guard, like a Kemba Walker or like something like that, if it's not Jason Tatum or anybody like or like a legit wing on you, if it's a straight up point guard, go on the block and go to work. I, I I cannot I I cannot pound the box for this anymore. Like I'm my hand is getting tired. I got welts doing this. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, that's another thing I've talked about before as well. Like I've done a couple of um, you know, articles in the off, in the last two off seasons just about how Ben Simmons has developed and what he needs to do next. And yeah, both times I think I've gone on about <laughs> attacking mismatches, and he's had some bad games. You are very much on the record, Tom. Yeah, he's had a couple of bad games with that this season, a few bad games, just getting switches on guys and he's just not attacking. Like, you need to be able to beat those mismatches. Um, And, you know, it's just on him, you know, not always keeping his dribble alive long enough, not having many moves in the post, you know, not having a floater, you know, not having too many different moves he can go to. Um, And again, if it's, you know, if he's not as confident, get just plowing through contact and getting fouled you know he has been getting more free throw attempts lately like you said but yeah it's still something he really needs to keep working on but thankfully for the Sixers he has been a bit more aggressive recently so hopefully you would think that he continues to build on that vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, I mean, if he's having problems with runners and floaters, he can just get in the gym with Tyrese Maxey because, you know, <laughs> Maxey has a ton of that crap. That's his. Uh, I, I could talk about Maxey's finishing all day, but I, I can't do that. Um, more on team construction. We got to talk about your Tobias Harris piece from last week as well, because that, that made me smile a little bit. Uh, Dan Ollinger wrote a piece today. It's basically a public apology letter to, to Tobias Harris. I need to ask you this. Very important question. Will you, Tom West, on the Out of Sight podcast on Tuesday, February 2nd, will you also issue 
some kind of apology to Tobias Harris. <laughs> I mean, okay, in fairness, <laughs> I, <laughs> look, I, I'm, I really like Tobias Harris. Um, I think he's a very good. I think he's a good player. I think he's been having a really good season. Um, I do think that criticism of him in the past has been fair, um, at least in you know some areas. I think you know whether it's you know passing up too many three pointers and stuff, not getting to the free throw line enough. Like those are things I talked about last season, and they were problems. It's really impressive how he has sort of flicked switch this year and just done everything that he and the Sixers have needed to do. Like he's been way more aggressive from three and it's just, he's just been so much more decisive, you know, moving the ball, attacking quickly downhill, beating closeouts. His defense has been much better. He's been a positive quite often on that end of the floor, which he hasn't been uh, as much before. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, previous criticism to an extent, <laughs> fair. It has been fair, um, but he has really changed his game. He's completely changed his mindset, being more decisive this season, and he deserves a ton of credit for that. He's been playing really well um, at both ends of the floor. You can't really ask him to do much more at the moment. Um, so, so, and, so what I'm hearing, yeah, I didn't see that coming. So, so what I'm hearing is not quite an "I'm sorry," but more of a "Okay, I'll lay off a little bit." Yeah, I think. I mean, to be fair, I don't think I've been. <laughs> I think I've criticised Harris, but I don't think I've been overly critical in the past. No, that's true. You had you are, to be fair, you are like not, you are certainly not the worst defender of this. Yeah, I try to be. I try to be reasonable, and I think one thing that has annoyed me in the past with Harris is, or the discussion around Harris is how much people bang on about the contract. Um, like, yes, he's overpaid, but it doesn't really have anything to do with his play on the floor. Like, you, you know, he got paid. He wasn't going to turn down the money. Like you can blame the Sixers, the team yeah. for the contract. It's not on Tobias. Like anyone in his position would have taken that money. If he can, if he can get that contract, go for oh, it. Yeah, um, I, I do not blame Tobias so, for for securing the bag at all. I will never blame anyone exactly. for doing that. Exactly, like, and I think and, yeah, and like I I pointed this out like a couple of times. Like the Mavericks were about to offer him basically the same contract, maybe like. Five million or so less per season. So, like, if that was the market and the Sixers had to pay that, then you know what? If they felt they had to keep Tobias because they knew they were losing Jimmy Butler, then you know what? Them, them's the breaks. That's that's the, you're paying the you're paying the cost to do business. Yeah, it's just yeah. I think yeah, I understand where fans come from. You know being annoyed about the contract and you know how that hurts the team's financial flexibility um i get where they're coming from but yeah i think after a while people can just get a bit too carried away with the money and how much players are playing if you just look at his production on the floor no it may not be five year 180 million but he's been playing this season at least he's been playing really well you know regardless of whatever salary he's making he's been playing really well right now um and yeah if, if he keeps it going and i think he will uh yeah he'll change a lot of opinions um his approach like i said has just been exactly what he and the sixers need so yeah he's been he's looked like a different player this year and uh, yeah it's paying off i i will say that he is averaging a career high right now by three tenths of a point so i'll take it 
Um, <laughs> and defensively, like you said, he's actually seemed a lot better. And I'm guessing that's because he's back at his more natural position of power forward because they were playing him kind of in between the three and the four last season. But you know what? Tobias is a four. Like, that's just how it is. And you saw it against the Lakers. He was holding his own against Anthony Davis and LeBron James in the block. Like, he was he was down there getting after it, and he wasn't uh, intimidated or anything. Like, he just did his job, and it looked pretty damn good. Yeah. He t- yeah, he really held his own in that game. I think that was really big in the Sixers winning overall. Um, like their defense really stepped up, and yeah, Harris was a was a big part of that, and he deserves credit. Like he is strong, um, he's a physical player, he's got good size. Like he did, like you said, he did well in the post. Like he had some really good possessions against Anthony Davis, which is is really hard to do. Um, <laughs> like yeah, and I, I think he worked on you know sort of his lateral quickness and stuff in the off season, um, trying to you know maximize his mobility. And obviously, it's it's hard to do too much, you know, if you do have limitations there. But I think he's done what he can. With his body, um, I think his, you know, his effort and just general engagement and kind of activity and alertness off the ball has been, you know, really good for him. Um, and yeah, like you said, he's kind of bringing that strength and interior defense. And, you know, he's adding a little bit more help around the rim. You know, his box are up a little bit, his steals are up a little bit. Um, so he's kind of doing all you can expect, really. Like he's, he's always going to have, you know, limitations. Like he's not super quick. You know, like you said, it helps him being at the four and not having to spend as much time, you know, guarding threes and quicker wings, like that's where he's best, you know, shifting to the four. Um, but even with, you know, his limitations, like obviously there's a lot of good defenders around him uh, in Philly and he's, yeah, he's playing about as well as you can expect at that end of the floor. So yeah, he, he's doing well. And you talked about in the piece, his dribbling has decreased and that was something that was talked about very much in the off season, uh, his his penchant for pounding the ball, so to speak. Uh, the average dribbles is down to one point six six as opposed to two point zero five from last season, and it definitely does speak to the fact that he's way more decisive this season. Um, even in transition, just like I love how you'll see this play like a couple times a game. Doesn't hit all of them, but. Ben will get like a long rebound. He'll start the transition. And then he's got Joel on one wing and then Tobias like floating for three. And I can't rem- It's very rare that he misses that shot in transition. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, Ben's going downhill. He's got Joel on one side and he's got Tobias uh, flaring out for three. Uh, you're giving up points. It just depends on if you want to give up two or three at this point. Yeah. He's been shooting it really well. Um, and I think, I mean, when I wrote the article, I think he was just below 47% on catch and shoot threes. And that's not going to last all season. Um, but that's fine. Like you said, you know, he's taking more of those threes in transition where he's just gunning right away off the catch. He's taking more shots from a step or two behind the three-point line. He's firing on his spots in the half court without hesitating. Um, and that's exactly what he had to do to be a better shooter this season. It makes such a big difference for him, like the defense doesn't get as many chances to just reset and the Sixers have to, you know, start their possession again because he's he's passed up a shot and then he's hesitated and he's, you know, dribbled too much or gone for a mid-range jumper instead or just swung the ball to a teammate. It makes such a difference for him as a shooter and it really helps his value there. So even if the shooting percentages cool off, he's still taking the kind of shots that he can have sustainable success with. And, you know, like you said, his dribbles are down. Um, 
per touch. His mid-range attempts are down, which is good. He's, he's attacking the rim really well um, this season, just really going strong through contact. So he's kind of his shot profile is looking really good too. So even if he cools off a little bit shooting-wise, um, he's oh. doing a lot of stuff that will help him long-term. Oh, yeah. Tobias is going hard to the rim this year. He posterized some poor rookie against Minnesota the other night. I was just like, oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, all right. We'll I did not log, see that we'll log, coming. We'll just log that away. I, that, I, I didn't know he still had that in him. Um, but 89th percentile in transition when you wrote the piece, uh, 84th percentile in pick and roll, Just that's just – it just speaks to his versatility and, like, why we brought him here in the first place. Yeah, he's just sort of doing what the Sixers need from him, like shooting well, attacking decisively, getting to the rim well, running a little pick and roll, you know, scores a bit in the post, just kind of being the more versatile offensive player, kind of complementary creator that they needed. Um, There's still, I think getting to the free throw line would be a big improvement for him. I'm not sure that's going to come. It's just not really been a big part of his game before and um, that would really help him he's not getting to the line much this year this season so far that. um that would be something that would be really useful if he could just get to the you know line like five times rather than two you know just up his attempts i'm not expecting that to necessarily happen but that would be really helpful but apart from that he's kind of doing yeah he's kind of doing everything you would expect and you would need from him as a scorer at the time of this podcast tuesday february 2nd he is shooting 46.4% from three. And I definitely agree with you that that is for sure going to taper off. Um, but as long as it's in the higher thirties, cause last season he was only about 36. If he can keep that in like the 39, 40 range, even that's, that's going to be really, really nice in the, in the dog days of the season when playoffs start to roll around, especially if he's getting more and more used to this offense. And if, Joel and Ben Ben continue their increasingly positive relationship on the yeah. court. Yeah, for sure. And I think Tobias Harris's season or his shooting last season, I think, got a bit too criticized, I'd say. Like, I mean, I totally agree with, you know, him passing up too many shots and stuff. Like that issue was there and his volume not being high enough. But he had I that. Mean, he wasn't he wasn't passing stump. off. He wasn't passing off as many shots as Josh Richardson, for example. But, no, you know. that is true. But he had that really, <laughs> like Harris had that really bad slump at the very start of the year. Like I think he had a couple of games which were fine. And then there was like that sort of four or five game stretch where I think he missed like 23 pointers in a row or something. He just had that oh, yeah. really cold spell. And that just kind of tanked his percentage. Um, when you go forward from that game, I think, you know, the next 60, 65 games or so, he was at like 39% from three. So pretty much the entire season, he was close to 40%. He just had that really horrible spell um, at the start, which kind of really dropped the percentage down where he just couldn't hit anything. Um, <laughs> and I think now, I think through his time under Doc Rivers, you know, from the Clippers and now the start of this season, I saw someone tweet the other day, I think he's at like 43% or something under Doc. Um, and obviously it's not like Doc just magically fixes his three-point percentage. He's the Toby Whisperer. Whatever it is, he just seems to be playing well. Like, there's a good sample now of him being able to be a 40% plus three-point shooter. So, yeah, I definitely expect the numbers to cool a little bit, but I think he can stay around 40%, maybe just over, even if he does drop off a bit. Uh, that that November last season was a little bit brutal because you were right. He, he only shot maybe like – it was. I'm looking at basketball reference. 
It was 28% from three in November, but then he heated up to 37, 38, 41. Dropped down to 35, but that's like, that was the start of the bubble. And then 41 in the Mm. bubble for the, the playoff series. So, you know, once he got going, he really kept going, but it was just getting going. That was kind of the problem last season. And maybe yeah. part of that was like getting the, just, you know, all the expectations, the new contract, Al Horford, just all that stuff. Yeah. Whatever it was. I mean, yeah. It can, I mean, shooters have slumps as well. Like it happens to, you know, everyone, everyone has cold spells. Um, but yeah, whatever, whatever is working for him now is, is doing wonders. Um, and, you know, Doc said, that he and the, the coaching staff are still getting on Harris, you know, about his decision-making. Like they want him to keep being that quick, decisive player. And when he hesitates, they know it, you know, it limits his chances to attack and it slows things down for the team overall. So Doc says that, you know, they're still getting on him and making sure he keeps up that right approach. And if they're doing that, and they clearly seem to be like, it's, it's working right now. So um, I, I don't see that changing for the worse with how things have got going and, and the approach of the coaching staff so far. See, you say that, and then immediately I think of the movie Major League, and you know the the Wesley Snipes character. He was supposed to just be the speed guy, but he was trying to be a power hitter. So the manager just came in and said, "Listen, everything you should be with your speed, you should just be butting them and getting on the first like all the time. Every time you hit one in the air, you owe me twenty push-ups. I feel like that's what the coaching staff is doing. They're like, listen, every time you pound the ball more than three times." You owe me 15 push-ups on the floor right there. <laughs> yeah, like if he, if he does stuff like that, I think they, they do call him out on it. Um, and I remember, because I, I asked Doc about it a few weeks ago and, you know, when Tobias had really sort of initially started being really decisive and just attacking like we've been talking about. And he said, I think, I can't remember the opponent now, but there was an inbounds play where, they got the ball to Harris and I think he had the ball on a switch and he just hesitated and took too long to attack and then nothing happened. Um, and he said like Tobias heard about that from them, you know, in the next time out, like they called him out on it. And I think that that's just helping, you know, obviously it's on Harris as well. You know, he's playing the right way, but yeah, if the coaching staff are just getting on him <laughs> and making yeah. sure he's doing the right stuff and just not over dribbling and hesitating too much, then it, it yeah. It makes a big difference. I always end podcasts with you the same way. And it's because, you know, global pandemic. So I like to know and hear like what's going on in other parts of the world. Um, I don't have any Aussie connections with Liberty Ballers yet. So I can't get the New Zealand perspective since they seem to be the only country that's doing it correctly. Uh, so how, how are things in England these days? I mean, things aren't. I mean, things still aren't great in terms of the cases, but things have improved. Um, at least since we last spoke, the cases have come down. Um, we've been in lockdown for quite a long time now. Um, so that is helping. Uh, and thankfully, the vaccine rollout is going pretty well over here. Um, it's getting rolled yeah, out Yeah, it's, it's, it's not here. It, it's not here. The yeah. Only, it, the the yeah. only state that seems to be doing it right is West Virginia. And that is a state of maybe like 15 people. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. I mean, we're getting to the point. I mean, we've still got a really long way to go. I mean, and for me, like, I'm probably not going to be vaccinated until, you know, much later in the year, maybe like September onwards at the earliest. But thankfully, we're getting to the point where, you know, like, I've had a couple of, you know, grandparents that have received their first um, injection and stuff. So, like, we're starting to get to the point where, you know, 
a decent amount of the older population, you know, people working in the NHS and stuff are getting their vaccines. That's good. Um, I'm not sure how many million we're at now. I think we're over 5 million. So we're getting there. It's going fairly well. It's just a long process. So I'm hoping that, you know, we can sort of keep up the pace with the rollout and that the cases keep, you know, where they are now and keep dropping down. But yeah, how about where you are? Listen, I'm at the point now where I want to like apply for dual citizenship somewhere like Canada or like England, like somewhere where the vaccine rollout isn't a complete and utter shit show just so I can get vaccinated and then just be like, all right, well, you know what? I got citizenship in two countries, so I'll I'll have a couple of lottery tickets to work with here. <laughs> um, but I'm just I'm just like everybody else, man. I'm waiting for that vaccine phone call. Just like, yeah, it's ready. Come and get this. Uh, my parents have not been vaccinated yet, and that's it's not that they're not going to do it. It's funny, funny story. My mom actually said, I asked her if she was getting vaccinated. She, was, she said, no, I'm not getting it. And immediately I'm like, mom, what are you talking about? Why are you not getting it? She's like, no, I'm just not getting it right now. I need to wait for people to see and like how like people react to it. I'm just like, okay, mom next time somebody asks you that you have to remember to put that little caveat in there because you're going to scare the hell out of people. <laughs> and yeah, and I, and I get it. I get it. There's a lot of hesitance in the African-American community with, you know, vaccines because of Tuskegee and all like that. Me, I, whatever, if it's ready, just give it to me. Just put a shot in my arm, whatever. I got places that I want to go to. I want to go to California, see my brother. I want to go to England, hang out with Tom. Like there's, there's stuff I got to do in 2021, in 2021. Let's, let's go already. Yeah. I'm the same. Yeah. As soon as I can get it. Yeah. I want it. And right now it's just hoping my relatives and everyone can get it as quick as they can and hoping the rollout keeps going quickly and moving fairly well. But yeah, I hope things improve where you are um, in the U S cause yeah, it's not great right now. I'm concentrated on my parents who are over 65 and I'm concentrated on my cousin who actually had a liver transplant last year. So those are the two that I'm really the most concerned about right now. But uh, always good talking to you, Tom and talking Sixers and talking life. And uh, hopefully one of these days it'll get better to the point where we can actually like travel and stuff like that would be nice. (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. I want to come, catch a Sixers game in Philly at some point so <laughs> whenever that's actually remotely possible that would be great <laughs> seriously seriously U.S. government get on this Tom not only wants to come <laughs> and watch a couple of games in in Philly but he also wants to come to the damn championship parade whenever the hell that is in the next two, three years so let's fingers get on crossed. this fingers crossed fingers yeah. crossed let's get on this <laughs> always a pleasure having you on Tom can't wait to have you again Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, man. Take care. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.